0: Good morning, Cornerstone family. I have the privilege of teaching on the Holy Spirit in a tiny capsule form. In Hebrew, from the Old Testament, it's ruach. Say it with me. Oral. Very good. Okay, this is like participation time, okay, so make sure you look at your friend and encourage them to participate. No judging. And from the New Testament Greek, it's the word pneuma. That's a lot easier to say, isn't it? Try it with me, pneuma. I knew you could do that. Now, if I were gonna teach on, say, baseball, I could tell you how beautiful the game is, how structured the game is, how there's so many rules and everybody knows how to play. If you're a Giants fan, that's good news. If you're especially, say, a Dodger fan, it's even better news. It's going to be a great year, right? Uh, I could tell you about how the infield was square and there's 90 feet on all sides. It makes sense. The pitcher's rubber is 24 inches by 6 inches. And that's about 10 inches above the level of home plate. That's 60 feet, 6 inches away from the back point of home plate. I could tell you that the back of that home plate must be exactly 127 feet, three and three-eighths inches away from second base. If you're a catcher. That's how far you got to throw it. That's beautiful. It's so precise. It's so organized. But the Holy Spirit, is there a page in the Bible we can say, oh, here's an organized, systematic uh, way to understand the third person of the Trinity? The answer would be no. And that's why we've had this controversy in the church for over 2,000 years now, and churches that maybe even have family members in it still argue to this day. Wouldn't that be great if it was such? Maybe that's why some of us just say, let's just stay away from this. Why do we even have it in the sermon series? Pastor Logan, what were you thinking? Teaching team, what were you thinking? Kind of reminds me of a, a movie where they say, we don't talk about Numa, no, no, no. We don't talk about Numa. I could go on, but I gotta stay focused. But we are gonna talk about the Holy Spirit, okay with you? Yes, thank you. And I, This is so condensed, so there's gonna be homework for all of us in the coming week and perhaps our lifetime, right? The first thing is, is that we're talking about, from this Romans passage, that life, God's kind of life, begins by the Holy Spirit. Seven chapters, Paul's been dealing with the law, and that shows people sin, and that sin always leads to death. And then finally you get to chapter eight, and everybody gets to take a breath, because now you find out, how do we get out of this death situation and get some life? And God says, it's through his spirit. The life giver. One thing about that is that we are set free in Christ to live, first of all, have life, and worship. You notice in our, in our creed earlier, it uh, talked about both father, son, and spirit are to be adored and glorified. The church when they wrote this in 325 was really trying to say we serve one God, he has shown himself, revealed himself in three persons, but we worship the one true God. God's kind of life begins by the Holy Spirit. All right, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Piggyback on the very last verse from last week, which was 2 Corinthians 3, 18, verse 17 says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, being, right, processed, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from my smarts your smarts no from the lord who is the spirit so just as christ the son of god the son of man was the amazing example for us of how humanity and divinity could actually have a relationship together how does that happen it starts with the holy spirit Uh, This seems so crazy to us because we get the idea of father, most of us have had a father or have a father, or you've seen a movie or read a book about a father, most of us understand the idea of son. But the Holy Spirit changes the family name, if you will, father, son, and you're expecting to hear like, you know, Uncle Bob or something like that, but it's the Holy Spirit, And on top of that, you get a visual for father, you get a visual for son, because we have experience. But spirit is invisible. And that just, for us, it complicates. Does it complicate for God? No, but for us, it certainly complicates matters. Think about Holy Spirit, right? Not just a spirit. He's holy, he's set apart, he's different. When that spirit is in your midst, the Bible teaches there is freedom. It's hard to, because we want to have one, two, three, A, B, C, right? It makes sense. But how do you grasp something that you can't see? But we know freedom when we experience it, don't we? Countries know freedom when they experience it. Families know freedom when they experience it. If you think we're just sitting and standing up and down during church for our health, you need to tap into what the Holy Spirit is actually working on today. Somebody once told me that, do we stand up and down because that's the exercise for Christians? You know, I teach fifth grade now, so these questions come out of the corners of the room all the time. I said, no, I said, if we were actually doing that, we'd probably have some kind of cardio if we were really doing that. No, it's, we do that for reverence. Uh, when we sing, we actually sing better. When we're standing, our diaphragm gets a chance to give us some air. These are practical reasons that fifth graders can latch on to. Oh, okay. What is the spirit up to today? Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl needs to have an encounter with the spirit of the risen Christ and be brought from death to life. That is a reason to worship, is it not? Yes. We sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And at the end of that song, it's God in three persons, blessed Trinity. What happens when the church worships? Well, at one time in the book of Acts, it says this, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. In a worship service, the, the Holy Spirit calls out the, perhaps the greatest missionary duo of all time. And then they have to actually say, uh, do we wanna give up our best two leaders? <laughs> they didn't even, it, the, the record says there was no discussion. They were like, yep, we're gonna send Saul and Barnabas. Saul, of course, changed his name later to, to Paul. Now we have a meeting right after church. And we've been praying and we've been worshiping. I hope you're expecting God to actually speak during that meeting this afternoon. I wouldn't wanna miss it. I hope you don't, that was a good spot for like an amen or like something there, right? Okay, sometimes I know you're you're just like, what's he gonna do, is he gonna pull out a prop? I I don't wanna miss it. Try not to think like that, okay? Just like go with the flow. I know Jesus said this, ladies and gentlemen. He said, the Father is seeking worshipers. Is that still true today? I, I believe it is, I hope you do too. He's seeking, he's actively on the lookout for people to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the God of the universe, first and foremost, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to give life to people that are dead spiritually so that they can worship him. I hope we never take that for granted. I know we kinda got a little glimpse of that during COVID lockdowns. We're like, man, it was so tough where we couldn't worship corporately together. And uh, I can't even imagine what it's like to be in the Ukraine and not being able to do what you normally do, right? But Christians find a way to worship God, even in a bunker. So how does this life happen? Well, this is what Paul says in a lot of places, but clearly in Romans 8, he says this life is made possible by the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. See, the law always kept showing people sin, kept showing how you flubbed up It's almost like that was the purpose for it. So that once you found out you were a sinner, you're supposed to do something and God had a plan. Once you found out you were a sinner, he had an answer for you. It was the cross of Christ. When you look through human history, it's like God was like directing human history to that exact perfect moment in the first century AD. Was it a surprise, was it a coincidence? Impossible, the odds are overwhelming against any coincidence, when you start putting together all the things in human history, the prophecies that were made hundreds of years before, the cross was exactly at the right time for you and for me. Now I can't grasp the the deepness of this. The law, God's law, whether that be something that you can recite or whether it's written, but surely the law, may be thought of as Torah, as the written word of God, which the Jewish people held in high esteem. And I, I believe from working through the people and Christ and then the church, I think that's a little taste of how we hold God's word in high esteem today, which I believe totally is why we stand, even though we might have stood eight times, we're gonna stand for the reading of God's word, why? Because we stand for things that we respect or have authority in our lives. Now, wouldn't it be a crazy day if we said, okay, let's just be honest, if you're just playing a game and God's law doesn't really have any authority, please stay seated. Well, everybody would still stand, right? Because nobody wants to be embarrassed in a crowd. But think about it, it's our job, it's like, man, I'm excited, I get to stand because God's Word's about to be proclaimed. It has meaning for you, it has meaning for me, it has meaning for our family. Look at the people that have gone before us and what they have sacrificed that we could have one, two, eight, 14, I don't even know how many Bibles I have. Same for you? Man, we have the written Word of God for us and it tells us about this amazing thing called the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't you hate it when your iPad just goes boink? (laughs) Okay, if Siri starts talking, it's not me. It's this. All right, thank you. How can all sin for all time be poured out on the perfect son of God on a Roman cross? I don't understand, but that's what God did. So that the death that was justifiable for sin, he took it for all of us. All sin for all time, physically, spiritually, on the person of Jesus Christ on a Roman cross just outside Jerusalem, in human history. No movie person could show the drama that was really happening then. So we have, we're in the season of Lent and that's a part of us to reflect on that again and we get closer to Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning, right? That's all a part of that and it's so exciting that we get to do that. Well John 16, quickly, John is the part uh, where Jesus is talking to the disciples right after the Last Supper. And he tells them, and when he comes, this is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the word of Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. That's what we call conversion. When a person is convicted of their sin and they're turning to God. It's not our job to convict, is it? It's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit will soften the heart. The Holy Spirit will humble the hardest heart. He will prepare the heart for what's about to happen next, the biggie. (laughs) And Jesus told Nicodemus this in John three. He said, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's regeneration. Regeneration. Death, boom, now life. We understand death physically. We we understand a tiny bit of it spiritually, although the evidence of it is always all around us and often inside of us. When a person is brought to their knees spiritually, emotionally, mentally, sometimes physically, they're now ready for the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit. That is hard work, but it's glorious work, isn't it? The Holy Spirit gives it. We don't earn it, we don't buy it. You don't memorize 12 principles and you get a, a new life certificate. The only way to get God's kind of life is by the Holy Spirit. My father, Frank Mott, um, was raised in a Catholic church, probably went you know, four or five times, went through World War II, got married, had three kids. Um, before I was born, though, my mother took the other two kids to a Baptist church in downtown Long Beach, California. And then they had evening services that was always the gospel message. And there was this lady that they invited to do a chalk talk. This was a big deal, this was in the 50s. And so my dad was in his 30s at the time and the lady did a chalk talk and you didn't know what the picture was right until the end. And evidently this church like was asking people to serve in the church even though they weren't Christians. And my dad because of his salesman type personality was uh, an Usher bulletin guy, that's what they let him do. So he was in the back of the church, you know, watching, handing out bulletins, and he was watching this, and his testimony is that it was kinda like everything else faded away, he just saw down, and when the lady did the black light and there was the cross, all the stuff that he had heard as a kid, as a young adult, even chaplains during World War II, it all made sense right there. And he says that is the moment he was regenerated by the Holy Spirit. He knew it and from what everybody told me, that was a different man and I was raised with that father. My brother and sister were raised maybe with a different father, if you get my drift. So the cross is amazing, there's conversion, there's regeneration and the Holy Spirit work does that work. Now, a lot of people that I've known, even in seminary, but pastors and people in churches for years, when they're asked to give a testimony, they usually share that moment. Like, when did you come to know Christ? They're talking about when their sin was exchanged for life. And then when you say, okay, then what? And there's this awkward silence. Like, right now. Thank you, thank you for demonstrating that, right? It's like, what's God doing in your life since that day? And that's the rest of the story and this morning is the Holy Spirit, once he brings us to new life, guess what, now he's got an incredible life for us and a job to do. In fact, much of his job description is for the Christian after you're converted. And that's where a lot of us like, ugh, so secondly this morning, God's kind of life continues by the Holy Spirit, simply that's growth. That's growth, people. Living things grow. Dead things don't. And so we, let's cut through all the stuff, right? We have a lot of religion all around us, in our country, in the world, that doesn't mean there's a lot of life. It's just kinda like masqueraded, covered up with religious trinkets. But if you've been around long enough to know, you can recognize a dead corpse walking around dressed up. That's what's happening spiritually, right? I know it's more more fun to laugh, but it's really sad. So, God's kind of life, and then, so here's a picture uh, of this guy. That's kinda like, I hope that's not anybody's dad. When it comes to growing, there's one primary way the Holy Spirit's gonna speak, and that's through the Word of God. And a lot of times, they're like, "Eh, I don't want that. I don't wanna be taught anything. I don't want you to show me areas of my life that I'm gonna change so that I can look like Christ. And it's kinda like that where somebody's just a baby Christian, and they, they might be 80, 90 years old, but they pretty much, they never grew Once the Holy Spirit came, now those people often are miserable people, because the Holy Spirit, his job now, now that you're saved is, okay, now I'm gonna do all these great things in your life, right? So this is the uncomfortable part of the sermon, sorry. Uh, But we'll try to, to help us all along the way. Peter, even Peter, this is what he said. He's speaking and he says this. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried away along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, our creed mentions that, that the, God spoke through the Holy Spirit, through the prophets, right? So it's not just some guys out there talking this way to a nation that maybe was struggling, right? They actually spoke from God to a situation. That's what the prophets were doing, and those things ended up getting written down and preserved. Amazing. We get to read what Jeremiah said. We get to read what Micah said. The Holy Spirit primarily is going to speak through the word, 2 Timothy, you remember that verse, you might have learned it uh, when you were a kid if you've been in church all your life. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Okay, that's all right. We have scripture in public worship. We have scripture in classes. We have scripture right now. We have scripture in small groups. We have scripture for the children. We have scripture for the youth. And every time somebody opens that up, God wants to speak to that group of people, to you when you're by yourself. God will speak. He will do that through the word. It's amazing that when you look at these five alones up here, what's the first one, the primary one? It's scripture alone. There's a reason for that, right? That it's there for first, and the other ones are just as important. Praise the Lord. Now, he also speaks through prayer. He also speaks through other believers. It's great to have Christian friends. He speaks even through our circumstances in life, if you'll be aware of that, but primarily through the living word of God. But what else does the Holy Spirit do to continually give us God's kind of life? Well, I put a list together, and this is kind of the homework part, right? I don't have time to go through each one of these, but they're all really important. So a little homework for your week, but let me mention just a few today. The Holy Spirit, to help you grow, to help me grow, will do that through illumination. Illumination, you might hear the word light in there if you've ever worked with a light bulb or if you have any scientific background. Illumination. The book of Ephesians uh, 1.17 says that. Do we have that? Okay, we're working on that. Paul's praying and he's talking to the church of Ephesus and he prays that they will have a spirit of um, illumination, of revelation, that their eyes would be open and they have a spirit of wisdom. They need that. Every day at school, I get the privilege of repeating a pledge to the Bible with 23 fifth graders. And part of that pledge says, I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Is it any wonder, then, why we stand to read the Scriptures? I don't know about you, but we all need illumination. We need some light in this dark world. The Holy Spirit's job, one of them, is to do that to give you light. Notice the words in the pledge, right? For your feet, so you need something real close. You need to have it right now, but also for your path. So as you're walking along, the Holy Spirit's gonna illumine that for you. Maybe you have a decision that you need to make. The Holy Spirit is the one that can do that. So homework, uh, he does it through empowerment. He does it through the indwelling. He does it, which is kind of amazing, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't like just pop on you on Monday and then say, I'll see you on Sunday, right? It's different now after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit dwells inside the believer. He does it through teaching. He's the real teacher in your small group this week. It's not the guy or the girl that's there. It's the Holy Spirit is the real teacher, right? So every, all the teachers are like, whew, that's a burden off of my plate. The Holy Spirit is the one responsible for that. He, he does it through interceding. That's the whole prayer ministry of the, the Holy Spirit. He does it through convicting. Those are all verses there that you can read and reflect on this week but he also does it through baptizing. I thought just a second about this. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. He's talking about the church, isn't he? Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Mm. It doesn't say we're all baptized into one baptismal tank. That would just be a dirty tub, wouldn't it? Christian baptism, friends, is baptism, baptism by the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. Now what's all the deal with the water stuff? That's the symbol of life. And the church has been arguing about the mode of baptism, sometimes to the point of death, when the whole point of it was to point us to who? Who's the real baptizer? It's the Spirit of God. And so his job is to unify the church and we've been fighting against him sometimes just with that one thing. Should it be sprinkling? Should it be dunking? Should it go backwards? Should it go forward? Is it one time? Is it three times? We are so human. Sinful. Paul was trying to speak to this church, man. He did it so great. I know Pastor Doug's gonna, I think, get into some of that. Uh, next week in 1 Corinthians. It's gonna be awesome. God forgive us when we do that. If you're in the Holy Spirit, you're in Christ. Right, they're interchangeable. That means that you are a member of his church. Not a name on a roll, but in a real sense, you are a limb or an organ in the body of Christ. Now I know what you're thinking, there's probably that one family member, you think right now, because I saw it in somebody's eyes, my family member, he's the appendix in the body of Christ. Do we really need him? Well, I'm sorry, if you have that family member, at least he's in the body. Right, but joking aside, that's the way we should look at it. When the Spirit of God baptizes you, you are in the invisible body of Christ and now you're totally dependent on him. Jesus said apart from him we can do nothing. He does it through gifting and then that other one he does through sanctifying. Just that word like scares people, right? And that's the rest of Romans there that I didn't read from 12 to 16. So then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, kinda got a walk idea going here, you're the sons of God, sons and daughters. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness and with our spirit that we are children of God. This is the process of becoming holy, sanctification. It's no surprise the Holy Spirit would create this in us. Adoption is you're now gonna be like the family. You're going to look like the family. It's not so much a lightning bolt. Wouldn't it be great if just everybody got one lightning bolt and immediately you looked, sounded, and talked like Jesus Christ? Man, I I wish that were true, but I've never seen that. I've seen people change, but there's still a lot of, you know, rough edges to work on. We are in a marathon. The Bible's message is the Christian life is a long haul. It takes a lifetime, and that's how we grow, friends, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. It's hard, which is kinda why we need to be together. Spiritual growth does not happen by accident. It happens by walking with God. So imagine your spiritual life, you're a Ford Pinto. This was a classic in the day. And so you go to God and say, Lord, fill me up, man, I've got this storage tank, fill her up. But what happens is, is that you run out and pretty soon you're stranded on your life's journey, stuck on the side of the highway. And some people view their Christian life as a Ford Pinto, where you just store up, you get as much as you can, and then you go live your life. That is not the biblical way that the Holy Spirit does it. May I offer an alternative? Yes, please, Brian, get on with it. Here it is. It's the Disneyland monorail. The monorail always stays in contact with the power source so that you can just ride all day long. Now, does it need maintenance once in a while? Absolutely. Does it need a dude to come over and do some cleaning? Yeah, especially after those kids take all their stuff and dump it all over. It's so much like the Christian metaphor. Your spiritual metaphor should be like I'm a monorail and as long as I stay in contact with God, even through the difficult times of my life, he's gonna get me to where I need to get, which is hopefully like I'm staying at the Disneyland Hotel and it's gonna take me right up to it at the end. I'm gonna get to heaven. Contact, abiding in Christ. Is there a verse for that? You betcha. The best commentary for anything in Romans is the rough draft found in the book of Galatians. Paul said this, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We gotta let him lead. We gotta keep walking with the Spirit. Stay in contact. Once again, I know Pastor Doug is gonna touch on that next week. Now why does this really matter? Three quick things to think about, to reflect. Mm. Number one, have you received God's life from the giver of life? Have you received God's life from the giver of life? You must be born again, John said. You must be born of the Spirit. This is an observation that I've made in my 56 years. God will find you. He will reveal himself to you. He will convict you. And then he waits for your response. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman those who teach and preach, that he will go out and drag you into the church to get saved. I didn't read that in my Bible. Jesus made the invitation, and if they didn't respond, he went to the next town. It sounds kind of neat. It's kind of our way of saying, you know, God is gonna do what he's gonna do. I agree with that, but he's still gonna wait for a response, and we call that faith. He started it, he made the move, but he's waiting for your response. Somebody today may need finally to receive God's life. He's been working in your life for a long time and maybe today you just needed the invitation. Brother, sister, this is your invitation. Some of us, you may need to be set free today from a hurt, from a habit, from a up. Paul said you're no longer a slave. You're a son and a daughter. We got a great ministry here called Celebrate Recovery. Yes. Every Friday night, maybe today's defining the, the day for someone to take that step to freedom. You're like, okay, I just need to know where it is, what time. It's a cornerstone. Dinner at six. Did we move it to six? Six thirty. It's got to be here for the dinner party. And then maybe there's some of us that have been around a long time, and you're letting the circumstances of your life start to say, Well, you're probably maybe you're really not saved. And you just need assurance of your salvation. Bible speaks about that, right? That we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit upon believing in Christ. He is the guarantee of your inheritance until you reach glory. God doesn't want us to be anxious about this. I remember being a youth pastor years ago, Logan, and so many teenagers would go up and down, up and down about this. God's not in the ministry of being anxious about that. He wants you to know that you're saved. And then he's got an incredible life for you. That's just the beginning part. And that's why the Spirit gives us a peace that passes. All understanding so you see we can all respond today if you think about it we either are living in number one ready to receive God's kind of life or we're living in number two and we need to keep growing either way we need the personal touch of the Holy Spirit today let's pray trying God we humbly ask for you to work in our lives this morning As we obey your word today, may we know your will for our lives and have the power to follow through. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus.